Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Well, of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. programs and welcome back to another edition of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and i am the blue devil himself yes Derek Diamond. and i am dr robotnik <laughs> 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 uh, so we're we are going to talk about that tonight but we're going to do that in our uh, news segment because we have a little bit of news about sonic the hedgehog the movie yeah so uh do we want to talk about our week first before we go into the news yeah, because mine was actually fairly interesting. So I mentioned last week that this past weekend I was going to have to work a college baseball tournament. Mm-hmm. Well, it rained quite a bit on Sunday. Like it was, I don't know how it was in Biloxi, but here it was just nonstop rain all day on Sunday. Well, the two teams, one is from Oklahoma, the other is from Virginia. So they decided because they were traveling home on Sunday, they didn't want to risk starting the game, then getting caught in the rain, not having to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So they elected to do both games on Saturday. Hmm. <laughs> Two nine-inning baseball <laughs> games. Wow. I worked 11 straight hours on Saturday. That sounds fun. Right? But... For the first time since becoming an hourly employee, I hit overtime. Nice. So, going to get a little extra cash <laughs> on the day of Pensacon. <laughs> so, I'm going to use that money very, very, I won't say wisely, because I will probably use it on something. But yeah. Yeah, that is, and Sunday, I practically laid in bed all morning just because I was so exhausted. And then... um uh, work, work's been very, very busy because we've got um, a few different baseball, um, high school baseball games that we're doing in March, as well as another three-day tournament that's going to be in like three weeks. But it shouldn't be anything that affects us recording the show because they're normally on the weekends, and we have one game on like a Monday night, and the others on a Friday. So yeah. it shouldn't it shouldn't affect anything. But overall, it's been a a very very busy week but some cool things have happened that and one of those i will actually announce at the um at the end of the show that concerns i'll say if you're a fan of caddyshack or tron you'll want to listen to next week's Derek diamond Experience yes <laughs> i had an interesting uh night last night at one of the open oh mics. i'm waiting to hear about this <laughs> so at the wayward kraken's open mic comedy night last week this dude shows up and he goes by the name of Jason Waterfalls. That's his stage name. Okay. Dude proceeds to bomb, like, majorly. And then had the nerve to try to roast me while he was on stage. Because I had to go... It was one of those nights where it was a bunch of new people, so... 
one of the veterans had to open the show, and that was me. And so I did like seven minutes. It was okay. There was a couple of people in a bar. Most everybody was still outside. You know, it sucks to go up first. So yeah. he goes up after me and proceeds to roast me. And I'm like, normally I don't care about being roasted, but I don't know you. You know, like if you're going to roast me, at, like I... At least, if you're going to roast me, be good about it. And he wasn't even good about it. It just sucked. And, like, he just wasn't funny. He bombed horribly. And then immediately, he gets off stage and leaves. Gets in his car and leaves. Doesn't even pay his bar tab. (laughs) Just leaves. Oh, my God. So, cut to last night. And we thought we would never see this dude again. He shows up at the juke joint last night. Soon as he walks in, one of my other comedian friends, Jacob Craig, the other guy we yep. uh, of my little comedy duo, we call ourselves the Tinder Dicks when we travel. <laughs> <laughs> he looks around, sees him, elbows me, and goes, "Dude's here!" I turn around and I see old Jason Waterfall standing there, and I'm like, "Oh." So Jacob's like, "Do you care if I go up next? Because we're gonna roast this dude like relentlessly." Yeah. So Jacob looks at me, because I was supposed to be up next. There was a comedian on stage named Too Real at the time. And Jacob looks at me, he's like, can I go on next, please? Can I go on next? I was like, sure. So he runs up to the, the head, the guy running the, uh, the open mic, and asks if he could go up next. Anyway, Too Real's up on stage, and immediately, as soon as the dude walks in, he's dressed like, uh, in my mind, he kind of looks uh, uh, like a cross between Magnum P.I. and... Uh, and uh, Monterey Jack from, <laughs> from the Rescue Rangers. Like, he looks like he, sh- he should be flying crop dusters. Like, he walks in, like, with sunglasses on and a, uh, a Hawaiian shirt, like, with the buttons open, like, almost down to his belly button, chest hair, you know, glistening in, in the lights. <laughs> and, and wearing, like, a leather uh, members-only jacket. Like, this dude just... If you walk in looking like that, expect to get roasted at a comedy show. So anyway, he walks in, and Terrell says, Oh man, Ace Ventura just walked in. (laughs) And if you're a comedian, you should be able to take that. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, this dude starts immediately heckling Too Real. Too Real can't even get another joke out. Like, this dude's heckling him. And then Too Real was trying to go on with his set, and he's just like, All right, dude, all right, all right, all right. And the dude's just like mock laughing at him and all this stuff. And finally, there's this other comedian named Jimmy James, one of the nicest people on the planet, turns around and goes, dude, shut up. And the dude like immediately launches over to Jimmy like, what are you going to do? Who are you telling me to shut up? So me and every other comedian stand up and like block this dude. (laughs) And he starts, he immediately throws his hands up like 30 like a 30 style pugilist like you know like handsome dan mcginnahy like that kind of shit (laughs) he's like like put up your dukes like that kind of shit and he like he puts his hands up and he goes he looks at all of us there's five of us standing there and he goes come on boys and i'm like this dude's got mental problems man (laughs) so as this is going on, the bouncer comes from around the bar and like grabs the dude and throws him out the bar. And we proceeded to just roast this guy on Facebook all day today. 
I was I saw your post earlier and I was like, I have a feeling we're gonna hear about this on the podcast tonight. That's the thing, man. If you're gonna if you're gonna dish it out, you better be able to take it. If you're yep, gonna that's be a rule comedian. Number one of that. If you're gonna be a comedian, if you can't dish it out, then if you can't take it, then don't dish it out. And that dude yep. couldn't take it, man. Like like just one dude calling him Ace Ventura and he flies off the handle. So Whew, this guy. So I guess the moral of the story is he should stick to the rivers and lakes that he's used to. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> on that note, we're moving into news, shall we? Sure. So our first story comes to us from Forbes.com. This is actually very intriguing. Nintendo to open airport video game lounges. Passengers traveling through a handful of North American airports have a new sort of lounge experience to look forward to this month. Gaming pop-ups. On Thursday, Japan-based electronics and gaming company Nintendo opened up the first of a series of interactive lounges in airports across the United States to showcase the new gaming experience on the Nintendo Switch. Travelers will have a free access to a spectrum of Nintendo experiences as well as the ability to purchase a system on the spot. Uh, let's see. My mouse has a mind of its own tonight. The new airport experiences may be a surprise for many travelers used to either dull airport amenities or expensive paid lounges where only elites have access. Nintendo's pop-ups will be free for all airport travelers. And while they won't have the free snacks and quiet spaces that typical private lounges offer, they'll offer plenty of entertainment and a distraction from the long wait times. This is pretty cool, yeah. I think. You know, it's especially, I could see... In the bigger airports like your, you know, your Dallas, your Charlotte, your New York, L.A., yeah. this would be a really big hit. I think so too. I mean, I expect to see, uh, like, this is absolutely something I would think Nintendo would do, especially in like bigger airports, bigger cities, because this just like <clears throat> it makes too much sense. Exactly. Like, I mean, you. I don't know. It just seems like it would draw more people into the actual Nintendo ecosystem to do something like this. So it's a really yeah. good idea. I mean, I know there's no chance that the Pensacola airport is going to get no. one. Because it's, <laughs> but it's, if it's, it was, I know Derek would be hanging out at the airport all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would be like mall rats in airports yeah. for me. Can you do me a but favor? No, I, I, Can you turn up yeah. an, again just, just a hair? Just turn up just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, stand by. Yeah, so I... I like I said, it makes too much sense to not do or to not do it. Yeah, because it's it's just a perfect thing, you know. You have those like me, I don't go to these like private lounges. Yeah. Whenever I go to an airport, I just sit in a seat. I'll play on my phone, yeah. I'll listen to a podcast, and now it actually makes me want to take my Switch traveling because believe it or not, the few times that I have flown since getting the Switch, I think I've only taken it on a plane once. Yeah. Yeah, I had mine the last I time I went on an airplane, and man, that made the airplane ride a, a whole lot better, having that yeah. that thing. Because I'm not one that can sleep on a plane. Me like, there neither. are people, like, they'll, as soon as they sit down, they're out. Well, I cannot do that. Most airplane seats are built for people that are under 5'7", and being six foot three, it's like trying to squeeze, like, like Bigfoot into a shoebox. So you're saying that they're they were made for me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way I'm going to be comfortable on an airplane ever. 
You know, it's funny because you mentioning that for some reason I was looking at the um, the picture that we all took after the defending bad comedies panel that mm -hmm. we did. But I feel like when you and I are like in person, you don't feel like that much taller than me. But when we stood next to each other. I'm like, you're like twice my height. <laughs> well, if you look at that picture, I'm sitting down and you're standing up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, my hair gives me like another three inches. So I, 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 say, I tell people I'm 5'10". It's, it's weird. I don't feel as, as tall as I am until I'm around people that I don't see in a while, or if I go somewhere and I'm like a, a head taller than everybody else in the room, which works yeah. out great for concerts and yeah. things of that nature, but at the same time, I'm like freakishly tall. Yeah, you take the good with the bad, I guess. Yeah, and I'm always hitting my head on shit because the world's made for short people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this comes from NintendoLife.com. Oculus VR founder claims he's winning the auction for the Nintendo PlayStation. Oculus VR founder Palmer Lucky is claiming to be the current high bidder for the mythical Nintendo PlayStation console, which, which went up for auction this week. Bidding started at $31,000, now stands at a whopping $350,000, and Lucky is claiming on social media that his bid is currently in the lead. Given that the owners have already turned down an offer of $1.2 the price could rise dramatically. Um, he said, Because I have the largest video game console collection, I am a quest to digitize and preserve the history of physical video games. Perfect VR will ensure the original experience lives on forever, but we need to keep these things alive and functional in the meanwhile. Public availability is just a matter of time. I've been keeping things low-key until then. I am preserving the original copies in the most advanced video game storage facility ever constructed. Um, I, I think this is cool. I mean, you got somebody that's in the actual preservation field that wants mm -hmm. to uh, preserve this thing, which, I honestly, I think it should be in a museum. I, th I think Agreed. there should be a full-on video game museum, like in New York or some bigger city. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't know why he's saying that, you know, he's the current high bidder because I mean, this thing's got another, what, like 17 days left <laughs> to, to auction. Like you're not going to be in the lead for long. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I would love to be able to say, Hey, I could throw down 1.2 million on something if yeah. I wanted. And you know this thing's going to go for more than that because why oh, would they easily. put it? Why would they put it up for auction if they didn't think they could get more than one point two million? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't know if I've ever told this story before on the podcast, but th this was this is like my big money story. So th this was years ago. This was it was definitely before you and I met. This had to have been like two like late two thousands, like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I was at the, the Beau Rivage in Biloxi and I was walking through, you know, walking past like the, the poker tables and everything. This guy drops down chips worth $500 and just shoves it all in and loses it and Ugh. just shrugs his shoulders and walks away. I'm like, I would puke if i did that dude i cry if i lose 20 bucks on a table man why do you think i don't yeah. go to the casino yeah <sighs> i mean it, it's the thing with me and gambling is that i know if i do it i'm not going to be able to stop oh i'll stop <laughs> once i hit like a 20 dollar well, limit i'm like i'm done i'm going yeah. home 
well no like back back when i used to gamble like regularly i remember i won close to 300 bucks um doing um blackjack and i started losing it and then the girl i was dating at the time had to pull me away from the table like you're done <laughs> you're gonna lose all of it <laughs> But no, th- this is this is a really cool thing. I- I'm with you. It-, it should absolutely be in a museum, yeah, uh, of some sort. Like I-, I think that would be. I think New York would be the ideal spot for it. I, I wouldn't say L.A. because that's more movie based. Yeah, but um, New York. I mean, I think they have a Nintendo store there as well. Yeah, that's why so, I was thinking that a video game museum would be perfect. Because you look at New York, you've got like the Smithsonian and all that kind of stuff. Like this seems like video game. Stuff feels like it should be part of the Smithsonian, like old consoles, Agreed. old uh, you know game boards, all that kind of stuff. Original artwork that's to that type of stuff. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And yes, even the cover for Mega Man One should be in there, <laughs> <laughs> even though it's the worst it a- worst video game cover of all time. It is part of history, maybe not for the right reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but it is part of history. Well, speaking of movies, so I, I've been just chomping at the bit mm. for, for a week to talk about this. So our last story comes to us from cinemablend.com. Sonic the Hedgehog's director can't and won't stop celebrating its record breaking opening. Over President's Day weekend, Sonic the Hedgehog. Defined all expecta- or defied all expectations with a record-breaking performance at the box office. Naturally, everyone involved with the film was thrilled, and star Ben Schwartz, who voices the titular character, and director Jeff Fowler both took to social media to express their gratitude. Well, as Sonic's box office continues to rise, Jeff Fowler can't stop, won't stop celebrating the film and its record-breaking opening. And he made a really nice post uh, on Twitter of him with several of the cast and crew members and said, there's one word in my head this morning, and it's gratitude. Thank you to all the amazing people that helped make the Sonic movie, and most importantly, thank you to the fans for sticking with us and delivering an extraordinary, record-breaking weekend. Much love to you all. So, I, I guess this is where we'll get, we'll get into the review of the movie. Yeah. So, I was able to go on opening night, and... As I got to the theater, I started feeling nervous for the movie. I'm not going to lie. I felt more nervous for this <laughs> than I did the last Star Wars movie. Oh, yeah? <laughs> because because I, well, I was, in my mind, I'm thinking, I really want this to be good, but I think there's a good chance that it won't be. Because we all know the track record with video game movies. Yeah. More often than not, they're complete garbage. But I absolutely loved the Sonic movie. It was, I wrote about this on Facebook, but it was exactly what it needed to be. It was a 90 minute fun ride that's meant for diehard fans of the games who grew up with the character. Kids today can mm-hmm. watch it. It was a good movie, I think, for everyone. And to me, the highlight of this movie was Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 90s Jim Carrey was back in full force and I'll be honest I don't want anyone else to play Robotnik now it felt was like absolutely perfect for that incarnation of the character it felt like he was full of joy again playing that yeah. part like you could it felt like Ace Ventura 2 area uh, era, era Jim Carrey mm-hmm. 
No, it, it absolutely did. It was like Jeff Fowler said, just just be you. Yeah. In action. And I've been trying to rack my brain in the last couple of days about why what was it about this movie that worked so well? Because like you said, this movie's perfect for everybody. Like kids love it. Like the whole, the, uh, we went, when we went the uh, Sunday evening, there was like most of it, the theater was kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were laughing during the movie. They were really getting into it. And I feel like, you know, kids can enjoy it, adults can enjoy it. But what was it about this movie that really, like, what did think- they do that was right? And I'm trying to so, rack my brain. And I don't know if it's because it was simplistic and they just kind of leaned into the silliness of it. Well, uh, that's one thing that I think worked to its advantage is they didn't make the story overly complicated. Mm-hmm. And it, it was very much a... And uh, do we want to go full spoilers? Oh, I don't know, do we? Well, here's what we're going to do. If you haven't seen the movie, fast forward you know, a good 10 minutes <laughs> from yeah. this point on. Yeah. Okay. So, because I feel like it was, you have to talk about spoilers to really do this movie justice. So yeah. they, it felt like a central, a centralized singular story from beginning to end. And had they not put the post credit scenes that they did, mm-hmm. it could have been a great one off because Sonic got his happy ending. Yeah. He, he made a friend, he has a family and he's accepted by everyone. Now, that being said, the two post-credit scenes, which the first one I technically count as a post-credit scene because they showed the title graphic before they transitioned to it, but seeing Jim Carrey's Robotnik stranded on the mushroom world and you see the reflection of the giant mustache and him shaving his head, he looked like the current generation Robotnik. Like, it didn't even look like Jim Carrey. And I love that that whole... uh... Mushroom Planet thing was a total jab at Mario. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there there is a mushroom world in in Sonic. In Sonic and Knuckles, there's the Mushroom Hill Zone. But I, I like to think it was a little... Yeah. Maybe a little stab at Nintendo. Like, yeah, we, we got here first. Well, the thing is, they took the goofiness that is the Sonic game, like, with the rings. Like, why would he have rings? And they made it make sense. Yeah. And they made the reason he needed James Marsden's help. Like, they made it make sense. Because, uh, you know, like, he loses the rings, like, in a way where, you know, he, the portal opens up to, to San Francisco. He loses the rings, and he's got to get to San Francisco. Well, why can't he just run to San Francisco? Well, for one, he doesn't know where San Francisco is. He can't get there by himself. Two, you know, he's been shot in the leg, and his legs mm-hmm. didn't work at the time. So it makes, and he needed a friend, so it makes sense. And it's really, all it is is just a buddy road trip movie. Yeah. And that's what it really boils down to. Did you see the reference that whenever Sonic got the rings back and he got hit that they flew everywhere? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was great. There were so many cool little nods, like when the power went out in Robotnik's uh, little trailer or whatever, and he opened the breaker box, there was a piece of tape that said Badnik's. Yeah. which is a reference to the original robots that he created in in the first game. So it makes me wonder if they're going to be created in the sequel. Because I, I have little to no doubt that a sequel is going to happen. Like, you can't not do one 
with a movie that's this well received. See, and I'm wondering if he's gonna have the if part two is gonna have something to do with him finding chaos gems on yep, the mushroom that's, planet. That's exactly what I was thinking. He was gonna find a chaos emerald and use that to get back to Earth. I'm thinking because that you, too. Because in the the map that Sonic had of the different worlds that he could transport to, there was one that had a chaos emerald. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, I can't remember if there were seven different worlds, because that would make sense because there are seven Chaos Emeralds. Yeah, I would have to go back and and watch the movie again and pause the part where he's looking at the map. Yeah. And I don't know, man. I'm like, I'm still, uh, it's amazing. Like, I went into the movie with very low expectations, and my expectations were very much exceeded. And I'm gonna throw out a bold statement right now i had more fun in this movie and i enjoyed this movie way more than rise of skywalker (laughs) oh i i don't disagree with that at all if i had a choice to go like okay you've won a free movie ticket you can either go back and see rise of skywalker again or sonic the hedgehog i would go see sonic the hedgehog again yeah and i'm actually gonna go either later this week or this weekend to go see it again and if anybody, if you're listening, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, if anybody listen to this, like, if you haven't seen it and you're on the fence about it, just go see it. You're going to enjoy it. Yeah. There's not much to not like about it. I mean, I'm sure you could sit there and nitpick, but you're nitpicking a movie that's silly, and that's the yeah. fun about it. Is the movie knows it's silly, and play and completely leans into it. Yeah, it knows its role and it owns it. Yeah. So I hope Nintendo is taking note for the Super Mario yeah. Brothers movie. Well, before we move on, we, we got to talk about the post credit scene. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that is so everything's all well and good. Robotnik's been exiled to the Mushroom World. Sonic has his home. And then the portal opens up and Tails comes out. Mm-hmm. And that got the loudest reaction yeah. out of anything in the entire movie. <laughs> And he has, you know, one of his tech gadgets that he's known for. And he says, you know, I hope I'm not too late. And then flies into Green mm-hmm. Hills. And it's the same so, lady doing the voice that's been his voice for the cartoons, too. Yep. Which I thought was really cool of them to do that. Hopefully, if, if there's a sequel, they'll just have her reprise the role. Yeah. Oh, I imagine so. Why wouldn't but, they? But there are so many directions they can go in because they had so many references. You've got Tails now. It makes you wonder if those two have actually met, which my guess would be no, because Sonic was a kid whenever he left his home planet, and I don't think Tails would have even been born yet. Yeah. So I wonder if Longclaw survived, if she raised Tails. Maybe. And and then, you know, Tails, who's a tech genius, like almost on the level of Robotnik, develops this, you know, new technology and needs to bring Sonic back to... You know, maybe Robotnik, by this point, Robotnik's made it off the Mushroom World and is invading Sonic's home planet. And that whole opening scene, like, was brilliant. And it made you immediately fall in love with Sonic. Like, that was the best opening scene they could have done for that movie. Yep. And they even had him being attacked by echidnas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So they they could be the villains of the sequel, and then they're their champion to fight Sonic could be Knuckles. And that could be his introduction because Knuckles started out as a villain. Yeah. 
There, there's just so many cool routes they could go with. You know, they could even... I don't think they would do this for a sequel, but maybe for a third one, they could have Robotnik build Metal Sonic. Yeah, and I would imagine, like, Jim Carrey seemed like he was having the most fun I've seen him have since Ace Ventura 2. Like, mm-hmm. just that manic, just bouncing off the walls, like, dumb and dumber Jim Carrey. Like Oh, the the dance scene was oh, hilarious. Yes. <laughs> But like I can see him play like playing Robotnik for an entire trilogy. Like I think he would be totally yeah. down for that. He seemed like he was having too much fun. Yeah. Like he just I, ate up the scenery when he was on screen. Well, yeah, you were drawn to him every time. Like I was anticipating him showing up, yeah. and he did not <laughs> disappoint at all. And I was so happy because. I love so many of those Jim Carrey movies from the 90s, like Ace Ventura, Dumb mm-hmm. and Dumber, Liar, Liar, the mask. the mask. Yeah. And that brought back memories of that. And it, it just it felt like we got the old Jim Carrey back. Like he shook off the, uh, the Andy Kaufman, uh, you know, existential crisis yeah. he had. And he's like finally found himself again. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and you can watch interviews that he did leading up to the release of the movie, and he talked about how much fun he had, and he he explained the character of Robotnik more than they have in any of the video games. Yeah. And to me, that came across very well on screen, with Robotnik being this, you know, yeah, he's a genius with a 300 IQ, but... I loved his, his best line he had in the movie was, uh, you know what the worst part about being the smartest man on the planet is? Everyone you know is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and he just delivered that line so great. I was like, oh, I love this movie so much. Well, I even liked his little entourage yeah. that he had. I, I, don't know, I don't know if they're going to bring his assistant back, but if they don't, then I think he'll build, you know, like the classic badniks like crab meat and coconuts yeah. and um, caterpillar, and you know, there's a, a few other ones that that could be incorporated into the sequel. Which, well, we haven't gotten an official um, sequel announcement yet, but I imagine after this weekend, I think we're going to get a sequel announcement. Yeah, because I think word of mouth, they're going uh, this weekend. They're probably going to do. I'm going to call it and say another probably 40 million this weekend. Yep. So I think yeah, worldwide this worldwide this thing's going to break I'd say what what's your prediction? I say 350 million worldwide. Cuz it's Ooh. already broken 100 million. Yeah. Um I'll go a little bit no, I don't know if it'll break 400. Oh, screw it. I'll say it'll break 400. All right, so I got three fifty. You got four hundred. So we'll see. I didn't want to price is right you and go three fifty one. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of price and right, that's coming next uh, next weekend. We got we're going to uh, we're oh, gonna really? go a taping of it at the Beau Rivage. The Beau Rivage. The Beau, the, or as my grandma called it, the Beau Rivage. <laughs> the Bow Rivage. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but I'm ready to go into uh, this month in video game history. Sure. If I can find which number I'm supposed to hit here. There we go. In February of 1981, Williams Electronics releases Influential Scrolling Shooter Defender. I loved Defender when I was a kid. I had it for Commodore 64 and Atari 2600. Yeah, I mean, Defender's a classic. 
Yeah. You know, it's if you if you know of a handful of classic games from this era, Defender is probably one of them. Oh yeah. And especially like it had some of the one of the greatest like um cover arts at the time. Oh yeah. Yeah, I love that Let, the city scene of the, you know, the the lady looking up at the skyscraper and like the big, you know, the ships are flying overhead. To tell you how well known this game is, I've actually played it. So that yeah. should tell you something because I haven't <laughs> played too many games from that era. But no, D- Defender is a Defender is a very good one. Yeah, that was a staple of the uh, arcades when I was a kid, and I think pretty much everybody had a copy of Defender who had an Atari. Oh, for, for sure. In February of 1986, SN- SNK releases Akari Warriors, which shares many elements with Taito's Frontline from 1982, but adds two-player simultaneous play and visual con- visuals closer to 1985's Commando. It is SNK's breakthrough game in the U.S. I reviewed Akari Warriors for the show, didn't I? The Nintendo version? I think I did. I believe so. Let me... I believe you did because the cover art looks very familiar, but I'll, I'll yeah. let me go through the archive real quick and I'll check. It's an okay game, but honestly, I'd much rather play the uh, the arcade version because the NES version is kind of busted. Let's see. I'm I'm not seeing it. Not seeing it? Because I could have sworn uh, I did it. P-A-R-I... Yeah, it says no episodes. Huh. I could have sworn you did. I might have to do it. If I didn't do it, I'm going to have to do it then. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, February 16th in 1995, Ristar is released by Sega and Sonic Team for the Genesis. Did I say that right? Ristar or Ristar? I believe it's Ristar. All right. I've never seen this. I, I know of game. it, but... I've never played it. I do remember seeing it um, back when they would have display, you know, like Segas and Super Nintendos that you could play in, like Sears and Walmart and other stores. I remember seeing Ristar, but I never played it. I don't remember this. Of course, they don't have any screenshots either on here. No. Uh, But... I don't don't remember this. Yeah. I, I, I have vague memories of knowing of it. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't be opposed to trying it at some point. I mean, it's a platformer, so yeah. I'm sure I'll get some enjoyment out of it at least. On February 29th, 1996, Microprose releases Civilization II for Windows. God, I love the Civilization games. I have to keep away from them because they take up just all my time. That's why I can never play one. Yeah, I got because the gold you'll never edition. Hear from me again. I picked up the gold edition of Civ Five for uh, on Steam a while back, and I think I got it for like fourteen dollars. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. it's the game plus all of the uh, the downloadable content. So that one sucked up a lot of my time for a while, and then I picked up Civ Six for the Switch, and I have to stay away from that because that is a time suck as well. Man, Sid Myers knows how to make time suck games, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing with these type of games is you can get lost so easily. And you know, next thing I... you know, an entire day has gone by. Did you ever play Sid Meier's Pirates? I did not. Oh, my God. Pirates was so good. <laughs> <laughs> I had it for, from, uh, for PC, uh, the original Xbox. I think I bought it for... I think I... Bought it again for Xbox 360. Like, I own, like, three or four different versions of that damn game. Wow. It was good. Sounds like it. 
Uh, let's see, uh, February 28th of 1998, Star Wars Rebellion is released for Windows. I never. This is one of the games I never got to play. I would love to play this, though. Going through gaming history, I felt like a lot of these games were released around the same time. Yeah. Just in, just in different years in the 90s. So it was like this was the sweet spot for Star Wars PC games. Yeah, well, this one's a real-time strategy game, which I love those type of games because I actually did have... Um, I don't know if you ever heard of it, Empire at War. That was a real-time mm -hmm. strategy game. That one was a great game that I played, too, but I never played this one. Yeah, I know of that game, but I've never played it. I think I still have it here somewhere. <laughs> I have to dig around for it. I promise one of these days I am going to get around to playing like Dark Forces, TIE oh, Fighter, and all those games. You should, man. Dude, Dark Forces is great. Even um, Jedi, uh, Jedi Outcast is great. Those games are great. Um, mm -hmm. all really all those like nineties era Lucasfilm games are really good. Yeah. But to close us out for this month in video game history on February 29th, 2000 Pokemon stadium is released in the United States for the N64. And this game sucked up a lot of my time <laughs> in high school. Now, the cool thing about this game is there was a, um, an adapter that came with it that you could put in the controller mm. and there you could put in Pokemon yellow, red, or blue. I can't I remember if you did gold or silver or not. I don't think so. I'm surprised you mm -hmm. haven't uh, reviewed this game yet. I did. Uh, I think one of the episodes that Robbie came on, uh, I think we reviewed Pokemon stadium. Oh, uh, actually, okay. no, no, I have not. You should Huh? sound. This yeah. is like right up your alley. <laughs> So, well, the adapter let you play your Game Boy games on the N64. Oh, wow, made, that's like, cool. You could only do it for Pokemon, because, like, when you go to the your main menu, you go to, like, Game Boy Tower, or whatever it's called, yeah. and then you essentially, like, put your um, Game Boy cartridge in the adapter, and you can play Pokemon on your TV. That's cool. And it, and it was great. But this game was really, really cool. It was really hard, too, because yeah. you'd have to fight, like, a super-powered Mewtwo, and you'd go through, like, the Elite Four, which is uh, four trainers that you have to fight consecutively mm. uh, at the end of the game. Like, with no um, Pokemon centers to heal your Pokemon, you just go to one, which has, like, a, a specialty type. Then you go straight to another one, and then so on and so forth until you get through, and then you're the, the league champion. <laughs> And then as the epilogue, you have to go try and capture Mewtwo. I think you should definitely do a review. Yeah, I should do that um, sometime in March. Yeah, I'm I really not sure should. what I'm doing in March. I have to figure it out. I have, yeah. I got so much backlog of stuff I need to get to. I'm definitely going to get back to uh, the NES for a while after this next review because I got a bunch of games that are sitting there collecting dust. Yeah, same. I actually bought a few Super Nintendo games like a month or two months ago that I need to, to sit down and play. Plus, we got to figure out, because um, baseball is looming. Yeah. So we'll need to... We got to do some we, bank gonna, shows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I'm going to have to do the same for my show, probably. Yeah. Still got a, got a little bit of time for that, but that's also partially what the panels at Pensacon are going to be for, which... I do have the full schedule in our Google Doc that we will talk about at the end of the show. Oh, yes. We're, um, we're going to be quite busy. <laughs> yeah, you could say that again. 
but we got some shout outs to get to before we go into our review for tonight. So Derek, you want to give some shout outs to our Patreon supporters? Absolutely. We want to give a shout out to Axeblade 07, John Jekyll, and Daniel Salmon. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on for us. If you want to contribute to our awesome Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We have a few different tiers uh, depending on you know what you would give. Um, part of that includes uh, choosing games we review and also us doing bonus episodes. If we get back to the $50 level, we will do an extra episode for you guys mm-hmm. every month. So head on over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And tonight we're going to be talking about Sorry about the volume on that, everybody. I almost blew out my eardrum with that. <laughs> that thing, ugh, that recorded really loud. <laughs> Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. I figured uh, I was in a Sonic universe mood after watching the Sonic movie and uh, started playing a little bit of Sonic 2 when I was on. Uh, had the Sega Genesis Mini fired up the other night. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try out the Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. Uh, because I love puzzle games. Like, I love Tetris. I love um, uh, D- uh, Dr. Mario. And I love, like, uh, gym matching games. Like, the, there's this game I've been playing lately called uh, Gems, Gems of War. Um, that's really good. That's for free on the Switch. But mm-hmm. went ahead and started to try this. And it is a falling block puzzle game developed by Compile and published by Sega. It was released for the Mega Drive Genesis in North America and Europe in November 93 and was ported to the Game Gear Master System in December 93 and June 94, respectively. The plot revolves around Sonic the Hedgehog series antagonist Dr. Robotnik kidnapping residents from Beanville and turning them into robots with the purpose of removing all joy from the planet Mobius. Um, Sounds it like is, something I would do. Yeah, <laughs> it is a westernized version of Puyo Puyo and replaces its characters with those from the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise. Um, the gameplay is reminiscent of puzzle games like Tetris, in which the player must organize different color shapes as they fall down on a board. Um, and that was, uh, when I first played it, I w- didn't really know what to expect. I knew it was going to be a bit like Tetris, but it's more like a complete mix of, of Dr. Mario and Tetris. Like, because with Dr. Mario, you, you know, you've got the two colors on the pill, and you have mm-hmm. to match the pill color, the colors on the pill with the, the germs. But in Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, it's just uh, two, two beans, basically, that are either the same color or different color. And you got to match four colors in order to um, make those colors disappear, a lot like, um, you know, Bejeweled or any that kind of gameplay. Um, and right. as you do that, um, you have to do it pretty quick. Um, because it's basically uh, it's 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 a versus type of game. It's not like you know Dr. Mario or Tetris where you're kind of playing by yourself to see how far you can get. You're actually like in a battle mode, much like um, you know the Gems of War um, games like that. 
So, but I'm, I'm trying to, <laughs> the thing is like when you're, the more bean colors you can get out of the way, you, you sort of make these little ghost beans <laughs> that go over to your opponent and block him from being able to match colors. So the faster you are at getting rid of your colors, the more you're going to be able to block your opponent from being able to match his colors together. So you got to be really fast. And that was the one thing that really got me about this game is like, I got through the first level. Okay. But then I got to the second level and just completely got my ass kicked like 10 times in a row. So I had to go in and bump the, the difficulty down to easy so that I could actually progress in the game. And I think I got to like level six before I got killed <laughs> and um, I played it a couple times and five or six seems to be about as far as I can get on easy and I'm not quite sure how many levels there are uh, I'm trying to see here doesn't really say something that 13. really draws out to me is the not to interrupt you but the cover the animation style is in the yeah the style of adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog which for those who grew up a Sonic fan and liking the cartoons. There were two different cartoons back in the 90s. There was Sonic the Hedgehog, which was a darker take on the Sonic story, and also was... I don't know if the comic book was inspired by the animated series or vice versa, but there was a comic series that I was a huge fan of that was a, a storyline similar to that. But then there was Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, which was more of a kid-friendly show. Yeah, And th this is based off of of that animation style, because I see on the cover, you see uh, Scratch, Grounder, and uh, Coconuts in the background. And a cool thing about this game, I reviewed Sonic Mania uh, a while back. There's actually a boss battle where you fight against Robotnik in a Mean Bean matchup, mm. which is a cool little nod to this game, because not, not a lot of people talk about it. I feel like it's you know kind of a forgotten installment of the Sonic franchise, because, I mean, it it does star some of the characters so it's technically a sonic game even though it's not the same style yeah well it says here there are 13 increasingly challenging computer opponents so there are 13 levels to get through so this isn't so much like dr mario or tetris where you could just kind of keep going you know indefinitely until it gets so fast that you can't you know you can't go any further um you basically have to defeat the other players and until you get to the end. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of gives you an idea of the difficulty of the game. It, like it ramps up very quickly, <laughs> the, the difficulty. But I had a lot of fun really playing this game. It's something I, I could see myself playing a lot. And if this was like a, 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 and this might actually be on the Genesis collection for, because I could see being able to play this on a phone. And, you know, mm -hmm. spending a lot of, you know, like, uh, a lot of time, like if you're bored or, you know, like waiting in a doctor's office or something, play a couple games of Mean Bean Machine. But I really like the uh, the play style. I like the color, uh, the color scheme of it. I really wish that you could, there was a different sort of uh, game mode where you could just play like Tetris style or you know, Dr. Mario style where you could just kind of just keep going until you, you stop. But cause I, I'm not a big fan of the, you know, the, the verses 
battles like that, I just sometimes like I just wish there was another mode you could play where it was just you know see how far you could get. Right. It does look like a fun game. Yeah, I mentioned this to you the other the other day. I've never actually played this game before. So I, other than the the Sonic Mania boss battle, but it, it looks like a lot of fun. You know I, that one boss battle to me really stood out because of just the the drastically different style of gameplay. Yeah. But like you, I, I love Tetris. Doctor Mario is fun too, so I'd love to give this game a shot at some point. Yeah, I mean, if if you're a fan of those type of of puzzle games, it's perfect. Um, it fits right in with those type of puzzle games, and it, it like like I said, it's on the Genesis Mini. So if you have a Genesis Mini, you're getting a lot of of Sonic properties on mm. the Genesis Mini. Like you've got Sonic One, Two, is Three on there. I forgot. I don't think so. I don't so. think three is on there, but you've got the Mean Beam, Dr. Robot, Robotnik's Mean Beam Machine. You got Sonic Pinball. Um, isn't there another Sonic game on there, too? Uh, let me check. I rem- think I remember seeing another Sonic game on there. But if you like Sonic and Sonic properties, then the uh, the Genesis Mini is right for you. I've loved the Genesis Mini. I do too. <laughs> I'll be completely honest. It, was, it, it absolutely exceeded my expectations. One of the best purchases I made last year, as far as video game go, video game stuff goes. Oh, for sure. Let's see. The official Sega Mini website does not have a list of the games. Oh, wait, here we are. It just wouldn't load. Uh, I'm seeing Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, Sonic 1. I am seeing Sonic 2, mm-hmm. Sonic Spinball, mm-hmm. and that is it. That's it? Yep. Yeah, because I was playing some Sonic 2 the other night, too. and uh, uh, Best I, Sonic game ever made. I love that game so much. <laughs> it, it's, no, it, it's, to me, the perfect Sonic game. Yeah. Because you... You took everything that worked about Sonic 1, you added just enough. The colors were a little brighter. The controls were, to me, a little bit tighter. You introduced the spin dash. You introduced Tails. You had an awesome special stage. It it was just, to me, it's going to be very, very, very difficult to top Sonic 2. I don't think it'll ever happen. Sonic Mania is really good, but to me... Nothing will top Sonic 2 yeah. as far as the classic 2D Sonic platforming games. Oh, speaking of uh, Robotnik and Sonic, do you remember? In, did, did you catch it in the movie when he referred to Robotnik as Eggman? Oh, yeah. yeah. I knew they were going to work that in there yeah. somewhere. But the, the way they did it was good. Yeah, it was really good. Mr. Eggman. <laughs> but yeah, this is a really good game. I'm going to give it a solid 7 out of 10. So if, if you like puzzle like games, that. go pick it up. And you can pretty much pick it up anywhere. I think uh, you can get it on the uh, the Ultimate Genesis Collection, um, which you can get for... Um, I'm not sure if they have it for PlayStation 4. They might. Uh, they the do Ultimate have it Genesis on Steam. Collection. It was on Microsoft Windows uh, and Steam. Uh, 2013, it was released for the 3DS. Um, yeah, uh, 2017 game Sonic Mania homages. We got boss battle. Um, I remember... Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection. Yeah. Um, 
I think you can play the Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection. If you have it for Xbox, I think you can play it on the Xbox One, if I'm not sure, because of backwards compatibility. It's listed as PS3 and Xbox 360. Yeah, but I remember playing it on, or at least seeing it on the Xbox One, but I'm not sure. This anyway. actually had this had pretty much all the Sonic games. It held, it all, in addition to 1 and 2, it had Sonic 3, Sonic and Knuckles, Sonic 3D Blast, and Sonic Spinball. Yeah. Sonic 3D Blast was not a game. But, but I would say just go get yourself a Genesis Mini and be yep. done with it and have it all. Yep. Yep. <laughs> have it all. Have it all. And I think they're, what, like 40 50 bucks now? Really good. Yeah. Really good purchase for that price. Funny enough, so uh, for the Blue Wahoos this year, we're gonna do a '90s night. Oh yeah! And I, I'm I pitched getting a Genesis Mini because we're gonna give away like '90s theme prizes for oh, all the yeah. kids who do the on-field games. <laughs> Get a Genesis Mini because we know how to play video games on our video board now. Oh yeah! Because we did it for Mario last year for '80s night. I want to set a time on Sonic Two for the Emerald Hill Zone. And if a kid can beat my time, he gets a Genesis Mini. Wow, that's a good... Uh, <laughs> I might come over there for that. <laughs> you walk in like, ah, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, just, just go ahead and have the Genesis Mini since you drove all the way here for it. Uh, but, um, before we go tonight, um, we want to do some... I uh, want to tell you guys about all the panels we're doing at Pentacon coming up next weekend. So Derek, I'm going to let you handle this. There's a We're lot. We're doing panels at Pensacon? Yeah, we are. <laughs> so <laughs> Quite a few, all right. actually. All right, let me take a deep breath here. Okay, so <laughs> it all starts out, I mentioned this last week, but Friday, February 28th, I will be moderating the Diamond Dallas Page panel at Pensacola Little Theater. That will be at 515. Uh, Saturday, February 29th, this is when it gets really busy. <laughs> um, at 11 a.m., I will be moderating the Catherine Sutherland panel at the Rex Theater. Uh, she was the second uh, Pink Power Ranger in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and my guest on the Derek Diamond Experience this week. Mm -hmm. Then you will be sitting in on a, and I'm really excited to watch this, what should be canon in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Yep, me and uh, Mr. Michael Dixon will be doing yep. that panel. I'm sure one of the first things you'll bring up will be Shadows of the Empire. He sent me the uh, the Google Doc the other day with his PowerPoint presentation. He was like, anything to add? And the first thing I uh, said was Shadows of the Empire. <laughs> oh, so it's going to be, okay. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. He has one of the largest uh, Star Wars toy collections I've ever seen in my life. Oh, really? Oh, he's got almost everything. That's sick. I told him if it ever comes missing from his house, I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> then later on in the evening, you'll be sitting on the mm -hmm. Stephen King film and TV adaptions panel, which yours truly will be moderating at 5.15 p.m. at the Grand Hotel Room B. We're pretty much living in that room yeah. <laughs> this entire weekend. Now, the cool thing about this panel, so we've mentioned Steve Wise on this show. Mm -hmm. He's one of the admins for Pensacon. He has been since the beginning. I, I don't want to misinterpret or 
misinformed, but I don't think he's ever gotten to actually sit on a panel. I don't think so. I think it's his first so, panel ever. So he will be sitting in on the panel, which, which will be really cool. Yeah. But something I, I want to do. So do you remember in the Sonic movie when Robotnik shows up for the first time and he's arguing with that military guy about yeah. being in charge? <laughs> I, I want to do that to Steve. <laughs> Just walk up to him, Steve. Are you in charge here? What was your no, name again? That, wrong. <laughs> wrong. Wrong. I'm in charge. <laughs> what was your name again? Master said, nobody cares. It <laughs> <laughs> was so good. Uh, but then, Jason. Yes. Right after that, in prime time. The Coupe de Gracie. Finally, <laughs> we're finally in prime time. Defending bad movies to the revenge. Yes. 6.30 p.m., Grand Hotel, Room B. If there are two panels that you can choose to be at out of this list, this has to be one of them. Mm-hmm. Because this, th- this was... It's this personal. time. <laughs> if we do one next year, I'm going to call it Defending Bad Movies 3. This time it's personal. Yeah. <laughs> so, as of... I told you this yesterday or the day before, but... Fan of the show, Brandon Rutledge, mm-hmm. who will be attending Pensacon for the first time since 2014, will be sitting in on the panel as well. He was, uh, he was got- texting me today. He's like, uh, what should I do to be prepared? I was like, just be prepared to defend some stinkers. That's all you really got to do. All I'll say is, Brandon, may God have mercy on your soul. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make it a point to pick just the worst of the worst. Because the... Last year, the selection of movies were pretty much centered around like nerd pop culture type films. Mm-hmm. This is just going to be the worst movies I can find. Dude, this is the one thing I'm looking forward to the most out of Pensacon. The only different, the only thing I would change, well, I don't know that I would do it, but it would be great to have a, a nice alcoholic beverage. Yeah, during that'd this be whole nice. Thing. I might sneak us in a six pack. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's going to be Saturday, uh, the 29th at 6.30 p.m. Then rolling over to March 1st, if we've recovered from Defending Bad Movies, we'll be doing our Nerd Cave Retro Panel. Again, at Grand Hotel Room B at 11 a.m., so we'll be trading in our six-pack for mimosas. Mm-hmm. And we'll... So funny enough, we've never reviewed the original Mario Brothers game on yeah. this podcast, which is mind-blowing I to know. me. I know. I thought we had, but we never did. So I had the idea, why don't we do a discussion about Mario? We can review the original game, mm-hmm. talk about some of our favorites, and then you know, ask the audience what are some of their favorite Mario games? Because there are so many great games to choose from. Mm-hmm. So that, that'll be a really fun panel. And then I'll be going over to the Sanger at 2.45 to moderate the Butterbean panel, and hopefully I don't get punched in the chin. <laughs> but but it, it, that, that'll, be, that'll be very interesting, because I, I, I actually went through a phase growing up where I was a, a boxing fan. So I, I, know, I know Butterbean's career somewhat so ask him what it was like to knock out johnny knoxville (laughs) (laughs) so i i this is what i want to ask him about so back in the very early days of the attitude era in wwf at the time they did this segment called brawl for all where it was like boxing and it was completely unscripted 
and everything. And the guy who won it, his name was Bart Gunn. At WrestleMania, he had a boxing match against Butterbean, and he lasted about 15 seconds. <laughs> like, it took just one hit, and he was out on his feet. Wow. It was insane. But then at 4 o'clock, you and Wally will be sitting on the Star Wars sequel trilogy panel at Grand Hotel Room B. There may or may not be a fan there asking about the ending of Rise of Skywalker, just FYI. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, to close out Pensacon, this is actually going to be one of the last panels of the entire weekend. I will be heading back over to PLT to moderate the D. Wallace panel. So I know that's a lot of information. I'm going to post it on the Nerd Cave Retro and Derek Diamond Experience Facebook and Twitter pages. Yeah. So anybody who's coming out, can uh, set their schedule accordingly. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a lot of panels we're going to be at. So between Whew, the two of us, that's four, four a day. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'll be, yeah, Saturday I'm doing, yeah, Saturday and Sunday I'm doing three. I know Saturday is packed. So yeah. Well, we got to find some time to uh, go eat at some point in there. We, well, I know we got to do McGuire's <laughs> yeah. at some point. Like, it, it absolutely has to. I mean, I think we could do either Friday or Saturday night. I think I mean, Friday night we could. Whenever you're yeah, done with uh, the DDP panel, we should do that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because that, that'll end at 6, so yeah, still plenty of time. Sounds good yeah, to we'll, me. We'll work it out. Well, um, anything else you want to throw out there before we leave tonight? I think I'm about done. <laughs> Just um, Pensacon Month continues on the Derek Diamond experience. I mentioned I've interviewed Catherine Sutherland, one of the uh, the second Pink Power Ranger from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I interviewed her and also uh, did a really cool Power Rangers roundtable segment that goes along with that. That if you're listening to this episode, you know the day it comes out, Derek Diamond experience will be out as well. You can check it out on all uh, podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. And you can follow me on social media at D Diamond Podcast. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to go ahead and play our music here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. If you can, go throw us a couple of bucks a month, even just a dollar. That'll help keep the lights on. And if we get back to that $50 level, we will give you guys those extra episodes every month that you love so much like the uh the commentary tracks and whatnot and if you can't do that can't leave us a buck go leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are sold so Derek, please tell everybody what it's all about gotta go fast Okay.